All right, so we have been talking about the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, and we are going to talk about something really cool tonight. Really cool. Really cool, because we're going to talk about the tribe of Levi. Yay! And the tribe of Simeon. Right. No one knows anybody from the tribe of Simeon, <laughs> and we will get to that shortly. All right. You might know a person called Simeon, maybe, but don't know much about Simeon, anybody else beyond in the tribe of Simeon. So here we're going to start in the book of Genesis, because this is where these stories begin with the brothers. Now, remember originally, who are Levi and Simeon? Whose sons are they? Levi? Uh, I don't know. Samantha? No. Samantha? No, it doesn't. Sons of the nine. Yeah. Sons of Israel? Yeah. Who's Israel? He got his hip broken. Who is he? Who's the other name we know him by? Because you should know this. The man who got his hip broken? That's his brother. Yes, it was. And this will go away. You don't have to even sigh. But eventually will. Jacob. Yes, Jacob. Yes. Good job. <laughs> All right. So Jacob has 12 sons. Can you name four of them? Levi, Israel. <laughs> um, um, uh, we named a bunch of them. No. Judah. <laughs> Judah. And who's famous from Judah? The lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus. Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. Very important one. We will touch on them a little tonight. And Benjamin. Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Zebulun. Is Gibeon one of them? No, don't guess. <laughs> right. It's best not to guess. All right? I have them all written down. I know, and I couldn't remember. And who's the famous one that does not have a tribe? He has two tribes. He has two tribes, and who are they? What is his? You could tell me the half tribes, or... I... One of them starts with an E. It does. And Ephraim. 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 Yeah. Ephraim. It starts with a P. And an M. <laughs> Ephraim Manasseh. and Manasseh. Okay. And I don't know if I spelled that right. I think this is an E. Either way, it doesn't matter. Ephraim and Manasseh are the children of who? Jacob. No. He had a very special coat. Joseph. Joseph. What so. Did he get one? What? Why did he get one? He had two. He had a very special coat because his father loved him best. And then his brother. <laughs> really? <laughs> Truthfully. But his brother sold him. He doesn't get his own tribe because he. Oh, why didn't he get his own tribe? Not his own coat. He got a coat. I was going to say. Because he really got two tribes, which were his sons. And they both got separate territories and everything, okay? And really, jo Jacob uh, ends up dying in Egypt. Not Jacob. Well, Jacob dies in Egypt, yes. But Joseph dies in Egypt, right? And then his bones are taken back. Oh, yeah. All right? 
okay? Regardless, all that goes on in this trip. This whole thing, when you wrap it all up, it makes a huge part of the Old Testament an understanding what God was planning from the beginning. So way back when, we're going to go back to Egypt in Genesis chapter number 34. Genesis chapter 34. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 and then verse 8. And we are going to learn about Levi and Simeon and what happened and what they did that was very, very bad. Okay? Chapter 34, verse number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and then 8. And Dinah, the daughter of Leah, which she bare unto Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. Okay, hold on. Dinah is the daughter of Leah. Leah was a wife of Jacob. So Dinah is a sister of the 12 tribes of Israel. One of, and I believe the only one. Okay? Dinah is the sister. Okay. Dinah, won't you blow? Maybe. <laughs> All right. Verse number two. Shechem. He stole her. Okay? He did not marry her. He just stole her. Right? This Shechem, this prince, he was a Hivite. Okay? He was the son of Hamor. Okay? So, and then, verse 3. And his soul clave unto Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the damsel and spake kindly unto the damsel. Oh, after I stole you, by the way, I fell in love with you. After. Okay? Verse 4. And Shechem spake unto his father Hamor, saying, Get me this damsel to wife. Verse 5. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah his daughter, and now his sons were with his cattle in the field, and Jacob held his peace until they were come. Alright. Now, Shechem steals Dinah, does not marry her, but then afterwards says, Oh, but I love her. And what does that make Dinah's brothers feel like? What are they going to do? They're angry. They're very angry. Two of them in particular. Okay. We'll find out in just a minute. Verse number eight, as we continue. So now Hamor is Shechem's dad, right? So we have Hamor, and we have Shechem. Shechem. Shechem steals Dinah. Okay, and so he says, I love her, Dad. Go get her for me. Go, oh yeah, I want to marry her now. So why don't you go convince Jacob to give me Dinah for my real wife now? Okay, go ahead. Verse number eight, please. And Hamor communed then, saying, The soul of my son Shechem Longeth for your daughter, I pray you give her him to his wife. Alright. Please let my son have him. Her. Her, sorry. <laughs> have her, yes. So Levi and Simeon get very, very angry at Shechem. Alright? 
you have taken our daughter, our, our, our sister. You didn't marry her. You just stole her. So how can we get back at you? They've devised a little plan. Well, it's much bigger than a little plan. But they're going to start with something that seems like maybe they'll kind of invite them into the tribe. Do you remember what God said, if you're going to keep a covenant with me, Abraham started a covenant between God and him. And God said, you and all your males will be circumcised. Right? All right. Verse number 25 through 29. Now the brothers get involved when they hear about this. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that two of the sons of... Okay, stop. Hold on. I forgot one thing. I was, I was supposed to tell you. So what they said was, if you're going to marry our sister, you've got to be... All your males in the whole city have got to be circumcised. Right? So basically, you're all going to have surgery as an adult. You're going to be bleeding and you're going to be weak. And then this happens. Verse 25. Sorry. And it came to pass on the third day when they were sore that two of the sons of Jacob, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brethren, took each man his sword and came upon the city bloodily and slew all the males. Oh. Huh. While you're recovering, we'll just come and kill you all. All of you. The whole city. Continue. Verse 26 through 29, please. And they slew Hamor and Shechem. The dad. And they slew Hamor and Shechem, his son with the edge of the sword, and took Diana out of Shechem's house and that house. The sons of Jacob came upon the slain and spoiled the city, because they have defiled their sister. They took their sheep and their oxen and their asses, and that which was in the city, and that which was in the field. And all their wealth, and all their little ones, and their wives took they captive, and spoiled even all that was in the house. There it is. Go ahead. You can read one more. Sure. Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, And ye have troubled me to make me stink among the inhabitants of the land, amongst the Canaanites, the Pezzarites, and I be in few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me, and slay me, and I shall be spared out in my house. All right. And they said, should he deal with our sister like a harlot or like a prostitute? So, they're mad. And because they're mad, they devise a plan to make all the men weak, and then go and kill them all. And they do. The whole city. Kill all the men. Steal all their children and wives and livestock. All set. We avenged our sister. And we got our sister back, too. Did Diamond love him? Even love Shechem? Doesn't matter. Apparently, Levi and Simeon didn't care, did they? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and that isn't even really in the story, except you know that Shechem actually did love, or learned to love, or found out he loved uh, Dinah, and was willing to at least, even if he didn't do the right thing in the beginning, he was willing to start over, so much so that they all were circumcised. All right? So, how do you think they did? Did they do right? No. They avenged their sister. 
Was that wrong? It wasn't for them to decide. Okay, <laughs> all right. Probably shouldn't wipe them all out. Probably shouldn't wipe out a whole city, right? Probably shouldn't, especially after you make an agreement and then trick them, right? So with that all, we're gonna skip ahead a little bit. We're gonna skip ahead to Jacob's death in chapter 49. This is just about where Jacob is going to die. He's not quite dead yet. Um, chapter 49 of Genesis, verse number five through seven. And see what Jacob, the father, after several years later, has to say about what Levi and Simeon did. And this, by the way, is a blessing. He goes through each of his sons. There are things throughout it. If we had lots and lots of time, we would cover a bunch of them. Because you will find that the land that each tribe is given in the book of Joshua... Okay, like we're, they conquered the cities and they're giving all these lands. There are prophecies in Jacob saying certain ones will essentially be by the sea. Okay, and what you learned last week, how did they pick the land? How do they know which, who got what slot of land? By chance. By chance. But really, was it? Not really. God puts you where you want to be. This is hundreds of years before, right? So this is before Egypt enslaves them. So we know it's at least four or 500 years before, okay? And this prophecy comes out and this is what is said. Verse number five, six, seven, five, six, and seven, please. Simeon and Levi are brethren, instruments of cruelty are in their Habitations. Yep. Habitations. Verse 6 of chapter 49. Oh, my soul, come not thou unto their sacred, unto their assembly, my, mine honor. Be not thou united for in the, their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger, and it was fierce, for their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Alright, so God said they did two things. This doesn't look like too good of a thing, right, for Levi and Simeon. Like, this is when you go to get your final words from your father before he dies, and he says, you guys are terrible. You two are evil. You have done awful things. And what was the things they did? Two things it says they did. Now, one is obvious. And, and what was the motive? So look in those verses again. Uh, I think it was the one, verse number six. What, what did they do? They killed a man. Okay, they killed a man. Or like a whole city, right? <laughs> and why? Because they were angry. Anger. Ooh. Ooh. I gotta watch that one. In their anger, they killed a man. And then, what else did it say they do? They, their self-will, they digged down. Okay, so that... <laughs> Alright, so let's go with the self-will thing first. And what does self-will mean? You did, because you 
wanted to. I want to. I don't care what you think. I'm doing what I want to do. Huh. Alright? Is anger a sin? Yep. Yes. No. no. Because God I mean, was angry with the people and he never sins. Okay. So, where's the sin here? It's with the because action that you take because you're angry. Right. You, you kill a person because you're angry. That's a little different than just being angry, anger in a righteous way to say, I am angry at this injustice. Could they have been angry about their sister? Yes. Yeah. And that was right. They could be angry. But they killed a guy and they meditated an entire town being wiped out because they were mad. Okay? These guys have an anger issue. And then self-will, okay, which is the I will do what I want. Now, if you were to read other um, versions of the Bible where it more directly translates... Um, this is probably a place where you will you would have to dig into the Hebrew words to find out what that really means. But essentially, the best way we can get out of it was, and it will say it in several other versions, although you guys have a similar version, each of you, it talks that about hamstringing animals. Oh, yeah. Okay, so what's hamstringing, hamstringing an animal? They, they cut their and their ankle that runs up like to their hip. And what happens to it? it, it like, they collapse. They, they can't hold their body, right? And so they are useless. <laughs> They're rendered useless in one swipe. Okay? It is the way in battle that they used to take animals down with a, with a knight and a rider, right? Is they could take and hamstring the animal and the animal just crashes down, right? It is cruel to do it if you're only doing it because you're mad. Here's what I picture that this happened, being that they're angry people and they wanted something to happen. We'll say they're out plowing their field. And as they're plowing their field, they have some oxen out there. And the oxen just doesn't quite do what you want it to do. Now, it might be that you're not a skilled driver of those oxen. It might be that there's the ground is extra hard. It might be the conditions of there's something wrong with the animal. But instead of checking all those things out in their frustration and in their anger, they walked up and whacked the back leg of the thing and just knocked it down. You're not doing what I want you to do. Now that's cruel. It's just cruel is all that is. Not to figure out, oh, maybe there's a sore on the hoof of this thing and it's not doing what it wants to do. Or maybe there's a problem with the implement I'm using that it's pulling or something. But instead of thinking that, it's always thinking, that stupid oxen. He never pays attention to me. He never does what I want. He's a useless animal. And then their anger just sliced their leg. That's not a good way to act, right? In anything. So they have cruelty to animals and cruelty to humans all wrapped up. 
Simeon and Levi. Right? How they doing so far? Not so good. Not so good. All right, so let's skip ahead now and see what happens. Now, uh, before we skip ahead, there's one more piece there because you told me what they did and why they did it. Okay, so we're going to say cruel to animals because of their will, their self-will. I want this now. And ang out of their anger, they let that control them. And then... What is the final passage, part of verse 7? What is the consequence for them? They'll be divided and scattered. Divided and scattered. All right. So let's go to the book of Joshua and see what happens. Chapter 19 of the book of Joshua now, remember, they have just had a fantastic military campaign, right? They took over tribes and cities. They wiped out some of the giants, some incredible battles they had. Joshua chapter 19, they are at the point where they have been handing out the land, right? And casting lots by chance, uh, which really is not chance. Because we will find that God has had a plan all along from the very, very beginning. So when you think your life got there by chance, even the things you think, well, there was only, I chose that way. I could have just as easily chosen that way. Hmm. Maybe God already knew that. In fact, he did and knew exactly what would happen. And still puts his will in make things happen in the end, where he has said, and he told them certain things. Alright? So, Joshua chapter number 19, verse number 1, and then verse number 9, please. The second lot came forth to Simeon, even for the tribe of the children of Simeon, according to their families, their inheritance is within the inheritance of the children of Judah. <clears throat> Out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of the children of Simeon, for the part of the children of Judah was too much for them. Therefore, therefore, the children of Simeon had their inheritance within the inheritance of them. Okay, so this is a very confusing thing, um, but when we get down to it, we got to kind of draw the map, because in the words, when you see what happened, you'll understand a little better. Um, We'll go back to this map. This is the Mediterranean Sea. The Med Sea, the Dead Sea, and the Red Sea. Yep, that's right. The Med Sea, the Dead, this is the Dead Sea, and this is the Red Sea down and here. And the Sea of Galilee. And the Nile over here, and the Sea of Galilee, okay? Now, if you remember, Jerusalem's roughly here. Um, there are tribes that have gone on this side of the Jordan River, okay? There are three tribes. Uh, Reuben was one. I think Ephraim maybe was one. I don't know, one of the, one of the two half-tribes came over here. And then there was another one. And then they had, so that was essentially putting everything together. You came up with 11 full tribes and two half-tribes, okay? So, first of all, Simeon. Now, Judah, which of course is Jesus' tribe, was a big part of the 
they get this huge part. I mean, all of the other tribes in Israel share like this, and Judah gets like this. All of that, right? They get the entire southern kingdom. Now, that's not by accident, although it's drawn by lots, right? In the end, Judah ends up being, this whole territory of Judah, it ends up being the one tribe that follows God the longest. They do eventually turn. As time goes on, the northern tribes, which essentially include all other ten tribes, Levi stands aside for, for a while, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but almost all other ten tribes, basically uh, the Assyrians come in and take them over because they have turned to idols. Because what were they supposed to do in the book of Joshua? Take out all of those people that live in this place. And did they do it? No. Sort of. They did really good where they did it. And then they didn't do it in all those other places where we talked about them. Leaving some people. Making packs with some people. Paying. Oh, you just stay and pay us taxes. You'll be fine there. That's not what God said. No, no, take them out. And those people that they said, you just stay and pay taxes to us and we'll be fine, end up being people that turn them away from God. Now, God knew all this from the very beginning. All right? So here is Judah, here, on this huge southern piece. Eventually, the kingdom will split. We get to King David. David unites the whole kingdom. Jerusalem's amazing. Um, becomes the capital city. He unites the southern kingdom of Judah, essentially, which stays that kingdom, and the northern kingdom of Israel into one unified Israel. And David reigns in the most supreme way. And then his son Solomon comes along and in great wisdom continues to reign and there is peace amongst the land. And then... Solomon's son, Rehoboam, is a, just a dummy. He really is. He's a disappointment. He is much more than a disappointment. His first act as king divides the entire kingdom in half. Okay? Not a good leader. He just doesn't know what to do. He asks for his father's counselors and says what would you do and then he asks his best buddies that he's been hanging out with for his his uh, youth and said what would you do and instead of taking those who have helped reign with his father in this kingdom for for years and years and decades he picks his buddy's advice and the whole thing just goes splits the whole kingdom in half what did he, say? he ended up people said our tax burdens are so big because your father kept building things and doing things. Just give us a little relief. And he said back to them, after he listened to his buddies, you think his tax burdens were big. My father's whole body isn't going to weigh as much as my little finger on you. That was his thing. I'm going to crush you with taxes. That doesn't work out too well in the end, right? <laughs> and there ends up being a rebellion with another king named Jeroboam, and Jeroboam takes over 
all the tribes in the north. And Rehoboam, the son of, of Solomon, keeps just Judah. Okay, big territory, a lot of people, but all the rest of the tribes essentially leave. Now, they all turn first away from God, and Judah has some good kings and a lot of bad kings over the time. And that you get in through the book of Kings. The northern Israel, split kingdom of Israel in the north, they have all bad kings. All of them. Every single one of them. Right from the beginning all the way until they're taken away. And those are including some of the worst ones, which are uh, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel, right? Nasty, terrible, awful people that they are. And we learn about those people. And God still works in this. And he knows what's all going to happen. But now in Joshua, he's saying, I am fulfilling the promises of what's going on. Now, each of the northern parts of these tribes essentially have, we'll say, it's kind of divided like this. They have borders against one another, right? They share these things. There's one that actually has a long strip of land out there, and this shares this strip so they have access to the sea. But essentially, they have borders uh, where they border with a couple of different tribes, sometimes more than two, all right? What was the promise to Simeon through Jacob? What was going to happen? Divided and scattered. So what happens to Simeon? Well, we just read in verse 1 and 9, chapter 19, how Judah had all this big land. And they said, wow, that's a lot of land. It's way more than we can even use. Oh, guess what? Your brother got too much. So we're going to give you a little bit in the middle. That's what Simeon got. Yeah. It's like a donut. Yeah, literally was like a donut. Literally, only they got a middle circle. So what are they going to do? They can't go anywhere. They're not bordered on any ocean water. Not, not ocean, but uh, sea or water. They're completely landlocked. And they have no access to any other tribes. They got the leftover. They're divided from all the other tribes. Right? Huh. Imagine that. Right? So they're divided and scattered. But we didn't get to the scattered part. Scattered is Levi. <laughs> right? Scattered is Levi, yes. We're going to get there in a moment. Simeon decides... Now, we've, we've established Simeon, <clears throat> he's got some anger issues, right? Got some self-will issues. Cruel to humans and to animals. Simeon's not really happy with this. All right? Eventually, a group of people from Simeon move up north and find a new place. Now, when you move away from what God has planned... It doesn't work out as well. Okay, if God says that's where I want you, then you go there. Even if it's a smaller piece of land. That group of people come up here north. Remember I told you Assyria was the first one to come in and knock this whole tribe out? Guess who got taken away? Some of those Simeonites who decided to be unhappy. 
All right. So essentially the tribe of Simeon from that point, although they exist and God still worked personally in people's lives, as a tribe, we don't see any heroes that pop up. Okay? Really, you don't hear of anybody else ever again from the tribe of Simeon. Not that there isn't part of what God's plan was, but they chose to stick with their anger, their self-will, and I'm just plain unsatisfied. That's one pathway. They started out in a really bad spot, and they didn't work to get out. Now, let's look at the tribe of Levi. Okay, they both did the same thing, right? Levi is as guilty as Simeon for killing the whole entire town of people out of anger. All right, and what you find is that the anger and the bitterness and things tend to be generational. This stuff, you have, we'll call it genetics. And I'm not blaming it on it. I'm just saying some people really deal with anger constantly. And other people don't deal with it at that level. But guess what? The very same things you feel, the things you struggle with, tend to be the things that your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents passed down to you. In all their genes, they gave you such wonders. And I'm not blaming it on them. I'm just saying, you need to be aware. If there's things you hate that your parents do, I can't believe they're so impatient with this and they're so unkind with this and they're so angry with this. Be aware that you may be blind to your very own issues. Just be aware. I will show you that in a little bit. But first, let's go and see what happens to Levi as he is given a little different pathway. All right? Now, Simeon could be happy there, but they're not really. Some people were. Okay? Now, what happens to Levi? God chooses a different pathway for them. Verse 21, chapter 21, I'm sorry. Chapter 21 in the book of Joshua, verse number 1 through 3. Please, wherever we left off. Then came there the heads of the fathers, fathers of the Levites unto Eleazar, Eleazar, the priest, and unto Joshua the son of Nun, and unto the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spake unto them, at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded by the hand of Moses to give us cities to dwell in, and the suburbs thereof for our cattle. Okay. Uh, did I tell you verse 3? Yes, please. Go ahead. And the children of Israel gave unto the Levites out of their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their suburbs. All right. So here is now. Now, look at this. Simeon got the leftovers, right? Out of Judah. What does Levi get? The leftovers. 
the leftovers out of other places. So essentially, Simeon got an area, a territory. Levi gets one city here, one city here, one city here, one city there, one city there. All the tribes had to give a number of cities. And so essentially, dotted throughout, and I'll do it in a different color just to emphasize it, dotted throughout become these cities. And there are 48 of them. Wow, Judah gave a lot of cities. Okay? They gave according to their inheritance, and they all gave cities. There's 48. It's not. I didn't count them all. Okay? But it's to, it's to tell you what happened. So would you say the word scattered works out pretty well? Pretty much, right? Now, could they have said, okay, I'll give you this city, this city, and this city together? Yes, but they didn't. Here's a city, we'll give you that one, and I'm sure they deliberated on what to give them. So Simeon gets the leftovers for as far as uh, a territory, but they got a territory. Levi was always told from the beginning, you get no inheritance as far as land goes. God says, the inheritance you get, me. You get me. So it is their job to go and live a life of service for all of the areas in every town. And they live in 48 separate towns. They do not get their own plot of land. They get a shared plot of land outside their town. Enough to grow food. Probably not a lot. Here's 500 yards out that way, around the city. That's what you get to keep your personal flocks, herds, and things alive. But that's not your main goal. Your main goal is work. You will work and serve. Essentially, in the church. That's what the tribe of Levi is. And... Levi is synonymous essentially with, it became known as the tribe with no inheritance, but the tribe in which the inheritance was gone. Me having to be my name, that's why I named that. Because my parents said, your inheritance will be gone. That's why they named it. All right? So the idea is this. You can take from your life and choose to say, I get the scraps and be unsatisfied, be angry, be willful, and you will not, you, you, you'll be like Simeon, where you choose not to and you sort of fade away into obscurity. How about Levi? The tribe of Levi, from the first guy named Levi, okay, comes up through and ends up putting some of the more, uh, I'll call them heroes, out through time, out of the tribe of Levi. Okay? Eli 
is a priest, in which we have the story of Eli in the book of Samuel, and we learn about him being like one of the last good priests, and he raises little Samuel to be the best prophet and leader that Israel has. Okay? Didn't do so well with his own sons, but he did raise Samuel to be a great follower of God. And Samuel took that and went on. He was of the tribe of Levi. Along came a man named Eliezer. When after these tribes have been scattered and taken all to the Assyrians take them and eventually the Babylonians come and take uh, Judah and take them over where King Nebuchadnezzar takes them and everything, okay? With that, eventually, th under Queen Esther and King Xerxes and, and other kings that come in, they're allowed through Nehemiah to come back and build the wall and rebuild the temple. Eliezer is one of those leaders. He is the one that brings back Bible and teaching. Okay? And he stands and he's the first preacher to ever stand from an elevated platform that we know, and that's why we have pulpits and platforms. Essentially did that. Eliezer brings him back. And then you ever heard of a guy who eats grasshoppers? What's his job? He's the grasshopper guy. He came, he's, he's preparing the path for Jesus. Preparing the path for Jesus. And that is a fantastic segue. Prepare the path for Jesus. Now, what do they do? And who was that? Just so you knew who it was. John. John. John the Baptist. He's a Levite, by the way. Okay. Reel back and tell me what do the Levites do when they work in the temple and in the synagogues and in other places? What's their job? They sacrifice. They sacrifice what? Animals of all sorts. Cows, animals, pigeons, doves, uh, rams, goats, all sorts of things, okay? So, how many of you have ever butchered an animal? You've watched it. First of all, it's a lot of work. And, okay. I pulled the skin off of a squirrel. When you get to a big animal, like a cow or something, you're talking so much work. It's hard, heavy labor. Because they're doing everything by hand. There's no saws and there's nothing like that to cut your meat up. You're cutting everything with knives. From top to bottom. And sacrificing these animals very specifically. Certain things go on one altar, certain things get hauled out to the dump out back. There's a whole process in which God lays out things for the Levites for them to do. It's very specific. They are to, to go and help and watch all the sick people. When Jesus heals the lepers, where does he tell them to go? He heals the ten lepers and Go to the temple. And what are they going to do there? 
The Levite has to check to make sure your crazy disease is gone. You're going to expose yourself to diseases. The only person that's allowed to look at it is somebody from the tribe of Levi. Because they are there to serve the people. So why does God scatter them throughout? So they can serve everybody. They are there to serve every place. They are the connection to bring God to the people. Continually remind them by their lifestyle, by their work, by the things they do. And they are given, as far as an inheritance goes of land, they're given the scraps of what people will give them. But God says, I will bless you through this. Now the Levites work, and generation after generation after generation after generation, they continue to serve, to sacrifice, and guess what they get out of sacrificing? They understand the value of life. If you've ever taken a life of a deer or an animal, and you had to be the one to kill it, you understand that there's something there. All right? And that's not a bad thing to understand. That's a good thing to understand. You remember what they had problems with. Cruelty, not only to people, but to animals. And what are they going to do? You are going to serve God by helping every person. You are there to help them. You are there to learn the value and teach others of the value of life. They messed up big time. Levi and Simeon both messed up big time. They are sinners like anybody else. But they chose the pathway to serve God and to understand repentance, change, forgiveness. And with that, God blessed them. Now reel back a little bit in time. Remember I told you how things stick in the family? After Levi is born, <clears throat> jump a few generations along. Remember he's got anger and self-will. He's unsatisfied. It's all in the genetics, right? Well, certainly sin is passed down in our nature. Along comes a man who is a great man. Moses. He's the tribe of Levi. He brings the people to God. And what is his downfall? Anger. Generations later. Moses, his brother. Same thing. He struggles. Miriam, his sister. They get jealous of his brother. They get jealous of Moses. There's problems still in the family. All right? Those things get passed along generation to generation. And what I'm telling you is, you can say, I'm going to live a life like a Simeon and be unsatisfied with what God gives me because I have my own problems. I have my own sins. I have the things I'm going to struggle with. Or I can decide, 
even though my genetics are strong and my self-will and my anger and my, my cruelty even at times is strong, I can decide to live a life where I reach out beyond myself and learn to serve other people. I go back to God. I learn what repentance is about. I learn what uh, the value of life is. And I start to bring God to the people all around me. That's the value of Levi. The tribe of Levi is God says, I will scatter you about. And it looks like a terrible thing, right? Levi gets no inheritance. He gets scattered all around in the wind. But God's plan is when you sin very deeply, when you finally come to repentance, you love very deeply. It is of great value to have a leader who has made mistakes. It's of even greater value to have a leader who has made mistakes and understands the mercy of God. And the people of Levi live their life in service and decide, I am going to take that mercy of God and I'm going to spread it. Now, there are some bad characters in the tribe of Levi also. I'm not telling you they're all angels, because they're not. Because guess who killed Jesus? Caiaphas, the high priest. He's a Levite. Annas, the high priest's father-in-law. He's a Levite. Okay? There were bad ones, too, along the way. But some chose to serve. All right? And in choosing to serve and choosing to say, I will take God's forgiveness. I want God's forgiveness. I don't want to be this way. I don't want my anger and my self-will and all these things, my unsatisfaction with life to rule me. I want to let God rule me. So you see that these different routes happen from from this sort of random looking thing that happened way, way hundreds of years before. And God says, I got a plan. You're cruel. And it's a terrible thing. But I'm merciful and graceful. And you will see it and feel it. And so God gives them inheritance. And he says, guess what? Levi, I don't know if you guys can handle this whole thing of just an actual inheritance. Because you can bet those guys, it was a swallow in their pride to walk into the city that they were given. Not by God, but by the people of the other tribes. Had to swallow their pride, but that's not a bad thing. Because remember, they got a problem with pride. Right? Same thing with Simeon. You gotta swallow your pride. You get the little tiny token in the middle. But you choose whether you're gonna follow God and decide to serve God and decide to say, I'm gonna tell others about this mercy of God because I've felt it firsthand, or you're just gonna say, I don't care. I'm upset. It's not fair what I get in my life. I should get better things. You choose. You choose which direction you go. 
One last thing that they do, God also picks out, and we're wrapping up the end. We've got just a couple chapters left of the book of Joshua. But God picks out cities that he calls cities of refuge. And those cities of refuge, they are in chapter 20. We're not going to turn there, but the first few verses in chapter 20 explains what happens. Essentially, I'm out in the field, we'll say in the woods, and I'm cutting a tree down. And there's a few of us around. I swing my axe and all of a sudden, it gets really light. The head of the axe comes off. I turn and look and the guy next to me has the head of the axe buried into his chest. And he drops dead. Wasn't his fault, right? But that guy is a father of children and that guy's family is now going to come after me. They have the right to avenge blood. Because I killed them. I didn't mean to do it, but I killed them. Nowadays we call that manslaughter, which means murder without intent. Okay. <laughs> so with that, God says, I'm going to create pockets of these little cities. I'm going to give you a dozen cities of refuge. And they're spread throughout, all throughout here, through the whole Israel. If that ever happens to you, and people are coming after your life, you run to that city. They were spread in such a way that it was never more than one day's journey away throughout all of Israel. City of refuge, you cross the border, and that person who could kill you outside of the border cannot kill you in there until you have a fair trial. In those cities of refuge, essentially, it was your court system. God created that court system and that government to protect those people from being just tried and convicted by the guy who's angry. Okay? Essentially, those people, if that person is waiting for you to kill you, you get to live in that city until he, until the, the threat is gone. So you live in the city of refuge. And God created that plan to protect people from those things that happen on accident. I didn't mean to kill them. My horse ran him over. You know, whatever happened, my bull gored him. And it wasn't my intent to do that. And so you would stand trial in one of these cities of refuge. So God, when he puts these people together, he creates a way to have justice. Mercy, justice, and he's, he's forming a society. Because all of these things, the idea for family and government, comes from God. And God wants you to be protected and to be able to live and serve him. And so he created those things to say, this is meant to protect your rights. Okay, government is meant to protect your rights. That was God's plan for it. All right. And so that's what happens. And that's where we're, again, we're wrapping up near the end of the book of Joshua. Uh, we'll have maybe one more week, maybe two, but probably one more week. Uh, and I will see you on Sunday.